Welcome to the Growth Moves Podcast with Rob Tyson. Welcome back, listener. I am here today with Peter Sandine, and Peter is best known for creating marketing messages that make people immediately feel that is perfect for me. And I'm really happy to have Peter here. He's often called the marketer's marketer because a lot of his clients are, in fact, other marketing experts. But of course, they see the value in getting help with their own blind spots and making sure they're focused on what matters most. And what we're going to talk about today with Peter, Peter's going to explain three mistakes marketing pros recommend. And I really love what Peter has to say on this because I think he's completely on the money here about how a lot of the received wisdom will send you down totally the wrong path if you're not careful. But before we welcome Peter and get into it, if you're listening to this show, chances are good you have professional expertise that you would like to monetize. And if you're ready to stop doing okay and take it up a gear, if you're ready to turn your visibility into a real business that actually works for you and your clients and gives you hope for the future, then I'd like to invite you to my free web class. And it's going to explain why the Ascension model or value ladder that you've probably heard so much about is a disaster waiting to happen for most people in your position and exactly what you should do right now instead if you want to generate real cash flow and finally get on the right track with monetizing your expertise. So that is free and all you need to do is pop along to robtyson.net forward slash class for all the details. That is robtyson.net forward slash class. So with that said, let us welcome Peter Sandine. Peter, good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. And uh, Peter, tell us a little bit about how you got into this in the first place around messaging, which is your, your speciality now, correct? Yeah. So I started out as a copywriter or, okay, uh, I started out as a generalist, but that obviously didn't get me anywhere. So I then specialized in copywriting. And uh, fairly quickly after that, I moved to conversion optimization where I, I stuck for a few years. But during that, it became very, very clear that what you actually say, not how you say things, but what is the core promise that you make? What are the main ideas that you communicate? Not how you do it, not the tactics you use to do it, but what are the core ideas you're communicating? That really makes the biggest difference. We could test all the usual moving a button here or there or form here or there or change the headline to say the same thing in a different way and so on. That very rarely works, but it just gets a lot of attention when it does. So people often think that that's how you get good results. You tweak these small things. But, but by seeing that really the big picture, uh, what are the, the core things that make the difference, uh, that's where I started to focus more and more. And the messaging part became just the, like that's sort of the catch-all phrase for for those core ingredients for marketing. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it, with conversion rate optimization? That, you know, I I can understand why people can be really attracted to it because we can tend to think, oh well, you know, if we just change the color of our button, then it's going to solve all our problems. But as you rightly say, um, usually these things are, are incremental improvements at best, and and really the the big improvements come down to thinking quite hard about the 
the core message and the big idea that we want to get across, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think like if you're not changing something that makes people believe something different, you can't expect to see a difference in results. If, if you don't change what people believe or feel about what you're saying or what you're offering, then it, it, won't, it won't change the response. Obviously, mm -hmm. if your button is damn hard to find because it's almost invisible, then yeah, making it bright color will help. And that's how a lot of those sorts of test results come up, that the, the old version was just absolute garbage. So then doing it by the book, by even just applying like the very basic level of like, good practices can create a good result and yeah like that's that's that makes sense but beyond that uh, it, it's if tweaking those sort of incremental almost meaningless things just isn't really very very effective at all yeah you need to dig deeper you need yeah. to dig deeper yeah and now i'm intrigued by this as well and and what we're going to talk about today is three mistakes that marketing professionals recommend um, and I'm really interested, as I said, because these are, they're kind of against the conventional wisdom that we hear a lot. And that's why I'm really interested to talk to you about these, because I know these will be the kinds of things listeners are hearing. And so I think that this is a, this is an important conversation. So the very first one, uh, that is recommended to us often is use the most effective tactics, use the most effective tactics. So that sounds okay on the face of it. Why is that a mistake? Because there are no most effective tactics. <laughs> there are tactics that make sense in your case, given your sales funnel, or as I call it, the conversion path. And that's it. And then there's also a thousand different ways of using each tactic. And there's probably 10 to 15 good ways of using all the major tactics. You can use, for example, videos in very, very different ways that are very effective in different cases. In your case, there might be still three or five different effective ways. Do those match with the other tactics and the ways you're using the other tactics? Maybe, maybe not. So instead of using the best way to, to do videos with the best way to do email marketing, no, like you need to figure out how do they fit together? How do they form a, what I consider a path from the first contact to the sale? And like, it, it's really not about using the best tactic or, or buying into the idea that, well, those people got results with this tactic, so I should get results with it. Really not. Uh, it might be good for you, but even seemingly similar situations, you might be in the same market selling something very similar and a tactic used the same way can be completely useless for you while others are getting good results with it. Because tactics are really just individual pieces of a much bigger puzzle. So using the best tactics there, the problem is there are no best tactics. It is a bigger puzzle that you have to solve and, and only then sort of see which puzzle pieces do you need for it so that it is an entire puzzle. Yeah, no, interesting, isn't it? I suppose one of the, one of the things that's interesting to me uh, is that people, people buy tactics, don't they? You know, there is, <laughs> there is a market for tactics. And so um, very often, we will get attracted to tactics, won't we? You know, when, when really we should be thinking more about the strategy, which is what you're suggesting, I think. Yeah, uh, it's, it's easy to sell the simple promise or the mm -hmm. simple outcome, the simple strong promise of just do this one thing, just use this one new tactic or this one new tool and look at the crazy good results these other people got. 
And most people want to believe that. Even those who have been burned by it a thousand times before, they still want to believe that. Even if they don't, they still want to believe that. So let alone those who haven't yet been burned so many times that they've completely lost trust in it. It is much easier to sell tactics and, and trainings around individual tactics or tools than basically anything else. Because it is people, like just human nature, is to prefer the easy way, the fast way to results. It takes a lot of, I'm not sure if it's intelligence or, or what is it, but it takes a lot of something to be able to look at, well, I need to see the bigger picture. I need to buy the bigger picture instead of this seemingly easier, smaller, faster, cheaper thing. Maybe it's wisdom. Perhaps. I, I, I stray away from words like wisdom and stupidity because they are very hard to uh, define, but you, you can argue that it's wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, no. And so, um, so tell me this then. So what approach would you, would you take? I mean, if we, you know, let's say we do come across a, a new tactic, which looks effective. Is there a test we can do or other questions we, we should ask ourselves about whether this is something we should integrate into what we're doing? I mean, how would, how would you approach that? Um, Depends sort of where you are with your marketing. If you already have a clear strategy, clear path from the first contract all the way to the sale, um, if you understand how all the pieces of it work together, then you can see how an individual additional piece could help you. Otherwise, you can't. So until you have that whole path figured out, you shouldn't be looking at individual tactics at all unless you're specifically searching for a tool or tactics that would fit a specific need. And that's sort of the like people very easily think of it backwards. And even the way you ask the question is sort of backwards. Like people look at the individual tool. Could I use that? Because that's not the question. You should be asking, should I use this? Or is this what I need? Is this what I'm searching for? Is this the thing that is most likely to help me get to the results I'm looking for? So if you're Let's say you're looking for a way to reach new people, reach more new people. You have easily a hundred different options. Um, you have all the different forms of advertising, all the different platforms. And yes, that you should always think of them all separately, even like Facebook and Instagram, completely different, even though they are under the same roof. YouTube, Google, completely different, uh, even though under the same roof. LinkedIn, completely different, and so on. They are all very, very different. Um, but then there's guest blogging, there's blogging, there's SEO, there's uh, getting interviews, doing JVs. They, like, there's endless different options. Very few of those are realistically should be even a consideration for you in the beginning. So just like that's just one of the like that's just the very first thing. Like how do you reach new people? And if you're not very clear on what you're trying to like, what the what you're trying to achieve with a tactic. So if there's, I mean, this is a, maybe a little extreme, but if someone's selling you a Twitter training on how to make sales or how to make sales with Twitter, that's sort of ridiculous because <laughs> like I have never heard of anyone who would make consistent sales with Twitter unless they have a lot of other things in place. So like if you don't understand what need you're trying to fill or what part of the path you're trying to build, then you can't really evaluate at all if a tactic or tool would make any sense for you. So really it is more about understand the path first are you just trying to build the first version of it or are you trying to add something new to it or are you trying to up upgrade some parts of it 
and then like really look from that perspective what is it that would fit in there and uh so obviously you do you do have to come to a tactic at some stage um so are you are you are you suggesting then what i'm what i'm inferring from you is that in the early stages we should almost forget the online marketing thing and when we have a new product or service we're almost selling it by hand i mean is that not quite but rather uh-huh. that if you have like let's say you don't have any marketing yet you know, you're completely from scratch starting um instead of being seeing that someone's selling a, let's say a youtube advertising course that shouldn't really be too much of a concern for you rather you should think of okay do i have a way to reach new people because i do need a way, some way of reaching new people okay no what would be a good option for me well, are they watching a lot of YouTube videos? No. Okay, so I don't need to think of YouTube advertising. Where are they actually? Well, they do search Google for this sort of result. Well, maybe Google advertising makes sense. Or maybe they are reading articles about the topic online. So maybe guest blogging would make sense. So rather than what are sort of like the, the gurus are teach, like selling me, don't forget that. What is sort of the, the easiest thing for you to buy it should be irrelevant. And rather look at what are you actually trying to achieve? What is the most likely way to achieve that? Um, and it can be sort of hard when there is 100 people promoting one product and everyone's saying that, oh, this is perfect for everyone. Just go and buy it and you'll be rich. But like, seriously, we all know that that's not the case. It, certain conditions do need to be met for any of those things to work. So rather think of it from your need and like, what do you need? And then go find that. If you do find that, okay, you need YouTube advertising, then find someone who is teaching YouTube advertising, not just figure out if YouTube advertising could work for you because someone is selling you a course on it. That rarely is the best fit anyway. Sometimes yes, but rarely is that the best fit. Yeah, and, and I think from what you say, I suppose that it implies the the first job really is we need to get a really deep understanding of the the dream client, the you know the person who are the people we want to attract. Yeah, and definitely. and you'd probably agree with me. This is something most people don't go into nearly enough depth on, right? Yes, and and we might actually circle back to this at the end. But I, I think even those who do go into a lot of depth, they only do half of it. They they only do one half of the whole process, and they they don't really like because all the normal exercises on the topic don't ask you to do the other half at all so but i I think we'll circle back to that that's good i like it it's an open loop we've got to we'll come back to what that other half is good stuff. it's almost like we would do marketing (laughs) yeah 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 so um so that's number so so when people say use the most effective tactics that is uh that is a mistake the second one is um i think follows on a little bit is build the most effective funnel that's what we're we're told to do so why is that a mistake what's wrong with this advice yeah so i I just told you to basically figure out your funnel first and then find the right pieces to it so why why not the most effective um even if you're an expert this still applies but to a slightly lesser extent but if you're not a professional sales funnel expert then the most effective funnels are far too hard for you. It's completely ridiculous to consider that you could build those. 
It's not impossible, but the odds of success are miserable. Uh, even the experts, and I've talked with a bunch of them, I know a bunch of them, and I've talked with many of them, they usually take three to six months to build their own funnel with the help of at least three other companies that handle video shooting, editing, uh, often all page setup, writing emails, setting up landing pages, managing all the advertising and so on. If they would do it alone as a single person trying to do it alone or as for the first time with a small team, it would easily take a year. It makes no sense to try to do that. The most effective funnels might be the most effective. Uh, they Typically, the results are not that much better than far simpler funnels. Uh, they, but I'm not saying they're not good funnels. They, they can be very effective funnels. But the very, very highly marketed funnels are also incredibly hard to do. Um, they just take easily hundreds of hours to build um, and take a lot of expertise. And my actually main grievance with them is that if they don't work and they can like they often break if you have one thing wrong they they just nothing works if there's one thing that doesn't work and if it's this monster of a funnel with four different videos and a webinar and a hundred different emails and 20 different landing pages and a hundred different ads and retargeting ads and all that how do you figure out where's the broken piece i mean i did conversion optimization for a few years as my primary thing and i'd be seriously struggling to figure it out. I, like if a client came to me and said that I have this funnel, it's all done based on these instructions and it doesn't work, I might just tell them that, okay, I'll take a quick look, but if I don't immediately see what's wrong, it's much easier that we just build something much simpler from scratch than try to pinpoint what's pro the problem. So there's this very slight chance that you do hit the gold and, and get massive results immediately. And if you get 10,000 people trying, then there will be those five people who get those results. And those are the testimonials. Awesome. Great for them. But the other, other ones either never get to the uh, end of it. Most of them don't because it's way more work than, than they expect. And most of those who do get to the end, there's something that's not right and they don't make any sales or they get way too few sales to justify the effort and they have almost no chance of improving it. Uh, that's why this is something people don't often see from the other end, but the affiliates always see that. The, the big, big gurus are advertising to the affiliates that we have an all new funnel for this new launch and it's because they had no way of improving the previous one. <laughs> They, they just have to rebuild an entirely new one and just hope that it's better based on what they sort of think went wrong in the previous one. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's a disaster. They don't usually talk about it publicly, but like sometimes it's a complete disaster because um, it's just too much guesswork because you can't systematically improve anything that complex if you haven't done it incrementally. But like it's, yeah, just doesn't make any sense to start with something that big of a monster. No, I mean I completely, <laughs> completely agree with you. I, you know, I was just you, you touched on it there. There are so many links in, you know, what people commonly understand to be a funnel. This, you know, in this mega complex thing, and it's only as good as the weakest link. So that's one problem. You know, you can create this thing, and you, you know, if you do, even if you did ninety percent of it to a fantastic standard which is unlikely if you know if you're not very experienced at this and you're not a, a skilled marketer then that 10% where you've screwed up is going to break the whole thing the other thing 
is you're going to need to get a lot of traffic into this thing to even have a hope of figuring out where the issue is. And most people are not in the position where they have a big enough media budget to to do that, you know? So it is, it's overkill, you know, for most of the people listening to this show and just, just generally for, for most people, these things are... Um, are way too complicated and they're, they're going to suck up your time and they're going to suck up your money and your, your will to live um, <laughs> because they, you know, it's so, so hard to get these things right. So I just, I'm completely with you on that. You know, we just need to need to begin with something much, much simpler. Yeah. When you said that you need to get a lot of people in, uh, it means tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Not just to the first page, but to, join the email list, for example. So you might need to pay for a million clicks mm -hmm. to be able to, like to even have a statistical chance of figuring out what's wrong. Obviously, if you have something just massively wrong, then that will show up relatively easily, but that's not usually the case. And I mean, there I could go on about the issues with that. Like usually I start... Uh, well, for example, one client, he was, she was a marketer already, so she could do the videos fairly easily. Uh, I think she asked if we should have like a long video series. And I was like, no, no, let's start with two. First one is just content. And at the end, you tell that if someone wants to know about the product, they can click the link. And the next video is just you going through what the product is. And a few emails to like just go around, like just direct people to those videos. I think she got a 6% sales rate from opt-in, like the landing page. So if six out of 100 people who get to the opt-in page buy, that's massive. And that's, that was done, I don't know how many weeks, but it was very quick compared to the launches that she had done previously, uh, compared to every funnel anyone is selling online. It, it's like nothing compared to those. And the results are like, I'm, I don't think, I mean, obviously I'm not saying everyone gets those sorts of results, but 6% out of ad clicks to buy is ridiculous. If you start like calculating the numbers, it was a thousand dollar product. So, so yeah. the, the math. I mean, really not a typical case, but just to show that like if you do this many times, then you do get those outlier results, even with very simple funnels. So it's not about the complexity. You don't have to optimize everything to be able to get to good results. So it's yeah, it just doesn't. There, the payoff doesn't make any sense with the massive funnels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, I mean. Uh, you know, um, I've seen uh, seen clients do this as well when they try to do too much uh, split testing early on. So they will yeah. create like, here's nine million ads in my Facebook account because, and I understand why because it's it's really attractive that this idea that well you know we can we can test all these things and we can find the best one and and that can be really good, um, but just be aware that in the early days it really pays you to keep it quite simple. And, you know, even if you are going to split test ads, I mean, you know, just, you don't need 9 million, you know, you just need, you need two, yep. <laughs> you need two, you know, and, uh, and then you can just go from there. So just keep it simple is really what you want to do. I think. Definitely. If it's so complex that you can't expect to improve it, if you can't expect to be able to analyze why it doesn't work as well as it could, then it's not worth the effort. It just doesn't make sense. But again, I think it's easier to sell because then we can tap into a different sort of impulse. It's easier to sell the best, the fanciest, the most advanced funnel 
than something super simple. Because then it goes to the like, well, if I'm going to go through the trouble of building this massive thing, then I guess it has to be the best. And like, I, I totally see how that trick can improve results. And that other trick seems really clever too. And like, of course, I want to use all of them to maximize my results and, and odds of getting good sales and so on. Like, it sort of makes sense. But the reality is that there's just, it's impossible to handle. Um, even most of the experts I work, work with, we start with something simple and then just improve. We might end up with this massive funnel, but we don't start there. And if you build it one step at a time, then you can, you're always sort of problem solving an individual specific issue. So then you add one piece that fixes a problem. It's not just, well, we add this one thing because maybe it works. No, like we add it, we see if it, re- if it works. If it doesn't, we take it away so it doesn't add complexity and so on. So it's like you might end up with a massive funnel at some point, but like don't try to start there <laughs> for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. I'd, I, uh, fun- it reminds me actually, I read some quote the other day. Uh, I don't know if you've heard it. I forget who it was, but it was something like, um, it was something like, uh, I don't know, it was something like, you know, perf- perfection is not when there's nothing left to add, it's when there's nothing left to take away. So I don't know who said that, but I, and I've probably mangled it a bit, but it was, I just thought, yeah, that's really good. You know, it's um, trying to have less things really, less, fewer variables, fewer steps, um, only as many as you need. Yeah, I I often talk about what I call marketing essentialism, Mm. which is exactly that. What are the fewest Mm -hmm. things we can do to get to the next step Mm -hmm. uh, as the most consistent way to get to good results instead of this, let's build something that looks cool and hope for the best and one out of 100 will get amazing results. Like rather, how do we get 99% of the time to the good results? Even if not quite as fast, usually actually much faster, but we don't get to the eight figure numbers overnight like technically we might be able to with this massive thing with a massive budget and so on but like the consistency is completely different but yeah i i i know the quote i can't quote it any better than you and i don't remember who said it i think there's a few different variations of it but yeah i i live by that idea <laughs> yeah no good stuff well we'll we'll have to have to find out who that was all right so that's great so that was the second mistake uh, marketing pros recommend they, they tell us build the most effective funnel. So the third one, the final one we're going to talk about is this third mistake. We are told we need to tell people all the benefits they're going to get from us. So why is, why is that bad advice? Well, now we get to the, the good stuff, the, the stuff I'm really into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets me really excited. Um, so basically people are usually in a situation where they are trying to sell something to people who don't really want to buy it. So marketing becomes uh, an exercise of trying to convince people to buy something they don't want to buy. It becomes really convincing people, easily turns to manipulating people, but like convincing is, I think, a good word. They are trying to convince people to do something they don't naturally want to do. And how you do that there are basically two different ways. You can try to like alarm them into it, like scare them into it, tell them about the terrible things that will happen if they don't do this thing. Um, and obviously people tell you to do that too. I don't usually like it too much, but there's a place for it. But the other thing is like, just tell them about all the magnificent things they can get by buying your thing and like just overload them with these amazing things. 
But if you think of what a stereotypical used car salesman sounds like, it go, you point to a car and ask, what is it like? And they will give you this long, long list of how it's great value for the money and it looks great and it's classic and small and, and big and spacious and good for long trips and short trips and great for uh, off-roading and cityscape and great for family and safe. And I mean, it just keeps on going and you don't remember any of it. You're like the best case scenario is that your feeling of the car is that I guess it's okay because the sales guy thought it's perfect. That's the best. You can think that it's okay. And if you can't afford anything, and if the sales guy is really good at convincing you to buy, then maybe you do buy it. But like your feeling is that, well, it's okay. But if you go to another store, imagine that you point to a car and, and they tell you that, oh, it's ecological and, and family friendly and very safe. Are you interested? Like, are those things very important for you? Well, if those are the most important things for you, then you're damn interested in that car. It's not that they need to convince you to buy, but rather you start asking that, like, well, is it cheap enough so you can buy it because you really want to buy it? So my point is that instead of trying to overload people with all of these outcomes, all of these benefits, which they won't remember, once you have a list of five things, people don't remember any one of them or maybe one. Once you have 10, it all becomes this just smoosh. They, they don't have any idea what you said. So if you can figure out what are the most important things for people, then just say those. And their reaction will be, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, how haven't I found this before? Like, it's like it's built for me. And that's what I'm going for. Um, so as I said, the open loop we opened previously about the target customer, this is the other side. Traditionally, uh, target customer things are more about, well, what sort of company is the target customer? Or like, how big is the company? Or what industry do they uh, operate in? Or are they a f woman or a man? Or what age are they? Or what hobby do they have? Or do they live in this city or this other city? And all that made a lot of sense 20 years ago, because mostly marketing, not always, but like mostly marketing was more mass market. You couldn't target as specifically. You had to go to TV or radio or maybe magazines. And, and you could go more specific to like industry magazines and such, but it was still very much about those sorts of demographics. It wasn't nearly as much about what's called psychographics. Not that it wouldn't have been important and, and it's not a new invention by any means, but it's far, far more important, especially for small businesses now that operate online. Because your potential is the entire world. You can pick people based on what they would actually like and then sell them that. So if you start from thinking of, well, what sort of people do you want to help and, and what are the most like best suited people for you, those who will most easily see that, well, what you're selling is perfect for them, then you're no longer convincing them to buy, but rather marketing really becomes about just showing them what you have so that they can appreciate it. So that's sort of the, the, the idea of just overloading people with outcomes. The problem isn't really the outcomes or telling people about outcomes, but rather how it shifts your perspective to the wrong thing. You need to first know the target customer. You need to have an offer that actually fits them, that makes them think this is exactly what I want. I don't have any objection to buying it. And then think of, well, how do you describe it? And then less is more, really, less is more. 
there is a way to use more outcomes. And like, if you study copywriting, there's everyone's going to tell you that you need to just write about every outcome, every benefit, every differentiator, and the longer, the better. And there's truth to that, but it's really, really tricky to use. And I, I did copywriting, so I, I should know. <laughs> but even though I, I should know how to do that, I still avoid it because it's so, so risky to talk about too many things. It becomes easily just far indistinct, far too indistinct for people to remember and for them to feel like this is exactly for me instead of, eh, it, it looks cool, kind of like that used car. That It's like, yeah, okay, I guess it's okay. And people don't usually want to buy something they feel it's okay. They want to, they want to buy something that feels like it's just for them. It's exactly the things they want. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So what I, what I, it sounds like you're describing is that if we don't come up with a good enough concept in the first place, we have to spend, we fall into this trap of spending a lot of time and effort trying to persuade people, <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? And when really we would have been better expending that energy at the beginning of the process and figuring out, well, look, what's, what are the, you know, who are these people really? What do they really, really want? And putting in 80% of our time and effort in at that stage and then 20% of the effort on the promotion because actually the promotion kind of takes care of itself and, what most people are doing is the other way it's the other way around so they're not they're not really giving the concept enough thought and then as a result they're having to clobber people tell them 10 million benefits and all this stuff <laughs> and and it and that is the way of compensating for a, a concept that's weak is that fair fair enough um mm -hmm. i think like it's not necessarily that the concept is weak it's just not polished enough it's somehow okay. like there's slight misalignment and and i'm obviously i'm just this is grammar police here almost but like it a lot of people might hear the the thought as well there's something wrong with my product it's not good enough or uh, something like that. And that's not necessarily at all the point. It is really more about the alignment, figuring out who are the right people for the offer, and then maybe polishing the offer a little, changing it maybe a little for those people. Um, and, and obviously, there's often things like, well, if we find the right guarantee, we multiply sales. Happened a few times with my clients. Even experts who had good guarantees before, they were just basically meaningless guarantees. People didn't feel like those guarantees meant a lot to them, so they didn't affect sales. Um, and if you come up with a good guarantee, it can make a huge difference to sales. Uh, not to say that you need to always have a great guarantee, but just as an example, that even relatively small shifts in how you word a guarantee or like what are the exact things you're guaranteeing can make a massive difference to some people and if those are your target customers, brilliant. Otherwise, it's, again, useless wasted effort to come up with that guarantee. So it is more about the alignment between what you're selling and whom you're selling it to and how you're describing it. Not so much about like objectively doing one or the other better. Obviously, the better you do those things, the better it is. But like it's, it's often people basically do things well enough, especially on the product or the their service they provide. It's usually more than enough on the quality side. It just doesn't align perfectly with what people are looking for or what their target customers want it to be. They might be, a classic example is that on the B2B side, especially people say that, well, 
we don't have time to implement this thing that you, you would sell us. Well, what if your offer included you doing the work for them? A lot of people immediately think that, well, they wouldn't pay me for that. Well, they might. I've had clients who were, they, they added basically a zero to the end of their usual bill and then offered it that, well, here's the option for me to do it for you. And here's the option of you do it on your own. And like suddenly everyone was picking the 10 times higher bill and like, because they needed that. It wasn't about the price. It was really, they didn't have the time. But for some other clients, that wouldn't be the issue at all. So it wouldn't help. So it, it's really more about the alignment rather than doing better or doing different, but rather just figuring out how to align all of those three things, who you're selling to, what you're offering them, and, and how are you describing it. And how do you figure those things out? Is it, is, it, is it talking? Is it trying to talk to some of these clients? Or what do you, what do you advise? Um, well, obviously I sell this stuff, so take this with a grain of salt, but seriously, you need outside help. (laughs) It's extremely hard to do for yourself. A lot of my clients are other marketing experts. More than half of them are other marketing experts, including a lot of people who do messaging specifically, and they've come to help because it's so hard to do for yourself. So if you can't get outside help, then at least try to figure out like more objective questions of what really matters. Uh, if you ask people directly, uh, you can do that, but it can be very misleading. I'm, I'm very hesitant to recommend it strongly. It's good to do, but it can be very misleading because we humans are generally very bad at understanding our own behavior. So if, if you ask people, why do you buy this thing or why don't you buy this thing? Most people genuinely don't know. They will come up with a reason but they are usually wrong, or at least very often wrong, so much so that the data becomes misleading for you. Or if they do know, we also often don't want to tell you the real reason. Because if, I mean, the classic example I use is that, well, why did I buy an iPhone for like 800 and something euros, like ridiculous for a phone? And the, the reason I always would have said is that, well, it, it uh, syncs the calendar and such things really nicely with my computer. But come on, seriously, I pay over 800 euros for the syncing of like, no, obviously it's something else, but it's not like I'm going to say out loud what it is. I mean, I might, but like most people have never even thought of what it would be. It's, it's most people, like there's this clear truth that people always complain about that it's not true, but trust me, it is. People make decisions emotionally. They buy things emotionally. Then they justify those decisions to themselves, to their partners in in personal life and in business with logic. They don't make the decisions logically. They make them emotionally. And then they come up with these bullshit reasons like, oh, it syncs the calendar so well. (laughs) Like, If you go and ask, you can't expect them to give you the right answers, even if they want to. some of them will, but you can't tell who are the ones who can tell you and will tell you the right answers. So it's not so much about that. It's, it's usually something that you can figure it out on your own if you get some help, out, like some outside perspective. And it can even be a friend who just asks you like, well, why do you think they care about that? Or like, why is that important for them? Like just ask tons of questions that just force you to dig deeper into it. That's like that can help. Uh, but seriously, like, again, I do sell this stuff. So a little like um, questionable that I say that, but genuinely you, you, you should get a little bit of help to it uh, from someone who knows what they're looking for. 
Yeah, I, yeah, completely. I completely agree with you, hundred um, percent. You know, we can't we can't see the wood for the trees. Do you have that expression in uh, in Finland? Uh, we have some other formats of it. Similar, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that, I mean it's absolutely right. We're we are just too close to what we're doing to really um, get any kind of anything, even approaching an objective view on it. Um, and so getting outside help is really important. I'm completely with you on that one. Um, yeah, if I, if I have to give like a, a tip of what you can do that helps usually, even if you do it on your own about your own thing is to forget the objectively valuable outcomes and think of what is the feeling people get. I'm not saying it's the only thing that matters and I'm not saying you necessarily find the best ideas, but it's usually very helpful to think of what feelings do they get? What will, what can they think to themselves? And that's important. Just think to themselves, not tell anyone else. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what do they think to themselves a month after getting the outcomes that your help can provide about that or related to it? Is it that, well, if you help them grow their business, then is it about, well, they can feel like they're a good husband or a good wife, or can they feel like they're setting a good example for their children, or can they feel at ease and actually sleep knowing that like not needing to think about their business and not feeling stressed about it or or what is it like there's tons of options there but if you just force yourself to write down they will feel this and and specifically emotions don't try to turn it well they will feel happy about these results they get like no what will they actually feel the emotions uh you're usually at least a couple steps forward and, and closer to what what really matters to those people how you turn that into marketing is again a little bit of a challenge but like that 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 gets you at least a lot closer yeah i was completely completely with you on that one and that's um that's been uh kind of a revelation to me gradually over a number of years uh is just this idea of um people as you say, you know, doing things to to get a certain feeling, uh, even if they don't admit it to others, and and sometimes not even to themselves. Usually, not even to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's say, like we're not just understanding our own emotions, <laughs> yeah. or our, our own uh, buying decisions. Well, that's right. But as as marketers, I suppose that's what we need to be attuned yeah. to, isn't it? Yeah. No, really, really good. No, it's been really good. So, Peter, just to wrap up if uh, if listeners only took one nugget or piece of advice away from this conversation what should it be um i think kiss keep it simple stupid mm-hmm. that's that's something that my music teachers many of them actually over the years would tell uh not specifically to me but to the whole class that that was sort of how you how you got better at things but seriously in marketing just keep it simple figure out the fewest number of things you can do that really make a difference, whether it is how many different target customers you have, usually one is the correct answer. It's rare that people, companies would have the resources to immediately go after many. There are exceptions, plenty of them, but generally much easier to optimize things for one specific target customer with one specific offer with maybe some variations of it, and then one specific message for them uh, with very few ideas in it so that it just makes things so much, much easier. And then build marketing based on, well, we have set of some arbitrary number, like we have five different tactics and tools we can use. What, what are those? If we can only have five different tactics and tools together, what are they? 
Like you're really, you really need to rethink things <laughs> to be able to do that. And it forces you to think very helpful things. So just really, really simplify things and, and think of the, like, what are the essential parts that, that make things work? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like, keep yourself from buying more, more shiny objects because <laughs> that's, that's rarely very helpful. Sometimes yes, but rather think from the perspective of what do you need and then go look for it. Not so that when people offer you a specific new tactic or tool or something that like, oh, that, that must be the best. Like I buy a ton of those things and they are just like, well, I need to learn these things. I need to see these things so I can recommend them forward. <laughs> but like, I mean, I should buy those things, not, not everyone else. Yeah, well, yeah, it's good advice. Go on a diet, go on a uh, kind of an information <laughs> diet, I suppose. Uh, no, really good, really good. So um, where can people get more from you, Peter? Where's the best place for them to to find out more about you? Uh, well, my website is petersandine.com. Uh, there's one fairly helpful exercise actually for the, the messaging part. Uh, it's at petersandine.com slash value. It's just a two-page two page PDF that asks you a few questions and asks you to rather brutally rank things and score things. That and sounds that, good to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of expert marketers have sent me an email saying that like, God damn, like I've been in this business for a decade or two and I never saw these things like this way. So not everyone's going to get that sort of revelations, but it, it does help a lot of people get more objective about what are they actually saying in marketing because it, it forces you to rank them so brutally that it, it reveals quite a bit of things. That's good. So that's at petersandine.com forward slash value. Is that right? Value. Yes. Value. Awesome. Well, great. Well, Peter really enjoyed it and, and appreciate you giving up your time. It, it's been really uh, good and, and an interesting conversation. So I do appreciate you coming on and, and um, I will talk to you soon. All right. I have fun. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Rob again. Want to build a successful online business from your expertise? Well, the game has changed. There are bigger opportunities, but also bigger pitfalls than ever before. And I would hate for you to waste years figuring these things out for yourself. Now, as a listener to this show, you're obviously a sensible person, right? So here's my invitation to you. Apply to jump on a call with me in the next few days and let's talk about you. You will get feedback on your ideas. You will get a product concept that is fit for right now and you will get a personalized sales and income plan to take away. That is free, but availability is limited. So please go along right now to chatwithrob.com. That is chatwithrob.com. Do that now. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Once again, that is chatwithrob.com. Talk to you soon.